0: Welcome back. As we head to hour two six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero, We have David Dahl uh, producing the show today. Uh, thank you for doing so, David. What does your political pin say, by the way? I didn't see it earlier. Roosevelt. R- which Roosevelt?
2: Ah, clever.
0: Franklin. <laughs> Franklin Roosevelt. <laughs> David wears these uh, political pins when he comes in. Uh, which, uh, which presidential race was he? Was, uh, does it say? Which one?
2: Well we have four to choose. Yeah from. we
0: have. Does it put a year on it? Or I believe
2: this is from thirty six, but it doesn't have a year on it.
0: Oh okay, nineteen thirty-six. All right. Fair enough. Um uh first candidate my dad voted for for president was I guess it would have been nineteen forty eight. The so voting age was 21 at that time. That's right. And he was proud of it being for Henry Wallace, believe it or not. Whoa. Yeah. That
2: is something yeah. that's uncommon.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in a family that wouldn't <laughs> quite represent the views <laughs> that I hold today. Uh, but that's right. So Henry Wallace was a progressive socialist who was FDR's vice president um, up until um, he couldn't take it anymore and he went with Harry Truman, right? That's right. In thirty six he would have been running with Henry Wallace, if I'm not mistaken.
2: It would have been John Nance Garner. Oh, he
0: was still running with Garner in thirty six? Yes. From Texas. Yes. And the
2: Palace Revolt happened in nineteen forty when Garner wanted his turn at the White House. Ah. Roosevelt said no.
0: Okay. All right, good. So they
2: went with a young upstart Secretary of Agriculture, Henry Wallace, and they were very nervous of a president Wallace. So they went with Truman in forty four.
0: We were in a staff meeting, um, Oh, about whenever we had our quarterly staff meeting last month, I think it was, or maybe the month prior. But someone said David Dahl is doing so well; he has corrected Seth on air several times, Uh-oh. and I corrected him saying once. Now it can be twice. Well <laughs> I done. so. Yeah. Do you remember what the first one was? It had to do with was it a Kansas senator or something like that? Like, oh,
2: that that was Frank Church, wasn't it? Yeah, I got yes, I got yes.
0: Church's state wrong, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you corrected me on that. Well done, sir. Well done. As the best boss I ever had once told me, never be afraid of correcting me when I get something wrong. Please don't. It's well done. Very well done. (laughs) Very well done. All right. Um, You know, people ask me who your favorite senator is. You think about who your favorite United States senator is. You know, one of one of the awful things that we don't quite grasp uh, fully enough is that, you know, we should be able to rattle off 10 names, we should be able to rattle off 20 names. Heck, we should be able to rattle off 40 names, shouldn't we? We have 49 centers. We should be able to rattle off at least 40 great United States centers. And the truth is, at least for me, I don't know if you're like me, the truth is for me, I have a hard time getting to a handful. Uh, certainly Tom Cotton, uh, certainly Ted Cruz. But you know the one I keep forgetting and who is continually impressive, certainly Ron Johnson, who's continually impressive to me, is uh, Senator Kennedy from Louisiana, John Kennedy of Louisiana. Um, he has such a great manner about him. He has this kind of this kind of slow and gentlemanly southern country lawyer approach, kind of like, uh, I don't know, a little bit like Jimmy Stewart in Anatomy of a Murder. Have you seen Anatomy of a Murder yet?
2: No, I have not. Right. But I did see one of your uh, You did more see favorite. another one? Yeah, I saw Judgment at Nuremberg on Friday. We talked about this.
0: Oh yeah, nicely done. Nicely done. Good. Great cast, right? Oh yes. Great cast. Uh who made that movie? Was that that was that wasn't Otto Preminger, was it? Otto, um, I don't think it was. It might have been. I don't think it was double check on that. Otto Preminger did an Anatomy of a Murder. Uh for some reason it's sticking in my head that he might have done Judgment at Nuremberg too. Um, but what a great cast
2: produced by Stanley Kramer.
0: Oh, is Stan Kramer. Okay. Uh, what a great cast. Judy Garland, Spencer Tracy, William Shatner,
2: Montgomery Clift, Montgomery
0: Clift. And, uh, who is, uh, Burt Lancaster, right? Yeah. Uh, hell of a cast. Great movie. Anyway, John Kennedy, Senator Kennedy, Louisiana. He comes off as this kind of Country lore, I suppose a little bit like Spencer Tracy and Judgment in Nuremberg, but more really like Jimmy Stewart in Anatomy of a Murder. And uh, today he had uh, Alejandro Mayorkas in his sights, so to speak. Alejandro Mayorkas, head of Department of Homeland Security, who I am going to guess will will probably be the first cabinet member to go or if not the first, the next cabinet member to go, whether by impeachment or resignation um, everything he has touched is is a massive failure on really one of the things that we see and deal with on a daily basis. I mean, not everyone sees and deals with you know issues of a lot of these things that cabinet agencies do deal with. But we all deal with homeland security on a daily basis, particularly when it comes to whether it's our border, whether it comes to our national security or domestic national security whether it comes to con- the kinds of legislation they're proposing. And of course, while Alejandro Mayorkas has, uh, has undistinguished himself when it comes to our border security, where he has lied to the American people about our border security. Uh, he is now promoting the need to ban assault weapons. And he was in front of, uh, John Kennedy today. And, uh, It's worth it's just worth playing what John Kennedy drew out here. He did such a good job, Kennedy. Senator Kennedy did last week with a judicial nominee who didn't understand one of the most basic and primary Supreme Court opinions from the 1960s. The Brady opinion, he did a masterful job of proving the guy was unqualified for the court. Now, listen to what kind of disqualification he brings to a man who is already on the cabinet as our secretary of homeland security discussing assault weapons bans.
1: mr secretary yesterday um you testified in judiciary that you support an assault weapon ban and we didn't have much time to talk about that um tell me your definition once more
3: of an assault weapon um uh, senator we did indeed um have a brief exchange on on that very important a uh, very important subject i am not an expert right with respect to the definition but of the assault bans and so i defer
1: you are the secretary of homeland security
3: as as i um, i was about to say i defer to the experts i defer to uh, for example the definition of a, uh, an assault a weapon that was codified in prior iteration of the legislation that was passed and uh, that um, uh, was in operation when I served as an an assistant United States attorney and the United States attorney in the Central District of California. So you would support the prior definition under? Uh, uh, Senator, I I must defer to the experts with respect to the definition, Uh, but I will tell you, for example, military style weapons are of tremendous concern. We are seeing a um, too much devastation
1: how do you define but i mean you 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 personally think we should be assault weapons and I, I i know you to be an intelligent man and a thinking person so I, I know you've thought about it what is it about a military what do you mean by military style weapon
3: um uh, senator um i really must must say that you are probing a very very important area <laughs> definitionally definitionally Uh, in which I do not have the requisite uh, expertise.
0: So he's calling for a ban on assault weapons. He's calling for, clearly, the Secretary of Homeland Security, a ban on something he knows not of what he is speaking. He is calling on a massive change to federal law, a massive change to, uh, if if not change if you prefer, emendation, amendation to a... Uh, A a constitutional right. And he is so bold in the way he does it, he doesn't feel he needs to know what it is he's asking that we ban. He doesn't want to do anything but defer to the experts, defer to the experts, he said several times. As Senator Kennedy pointed out, um, if you're going to be the head of an agency calling for a massive ban, shouldn't you be at least somewhat communicative on being able to define what it is you're banning? He wouldn't do it. He said those magic words, military-style weapons, and I knew John Kennedy would pick up on that. I just knew it, and son of a gun, he did. What do you mean by military-style weapons? Because you know, David, a military-style weapon can be a sidearm. It can be a handgun. Can be a yeah. It can be it can be a rifle that that is very common, but it can also be something the force of a nine millimeter. Um, this guy literally knows not of what he speaks, and good for John Kennedy to bring it out. This guy's got to go. Majorcus has got to go. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. With so many cracks showing up in the banking system and over $31 trillion in U.S. debt, just printing more money is not going to be the right answer. Venezuela, Argentina, Zimbabwe, they have all tried that, and that's what brought along the defaults. But gold has never defaulted, and Veteran-owned Midas Gold Group will reinforce your portfolio. Give them a call to look into safeguarding your money with the stability of gold while you still can. I... Trust Midas Gold Group, as does Sebastian Gorka, and thousands of you who own precious metals from them, as we do. Gold traditionally holds its value when economies fail, whether we're talking Credit Suisse, Signature, or Silicon Valley Bank. Midas Gold Group believes we are in the early stages of a growing crisis, and the Fed's higher interest rates are your cue to create your own bank with real money. Gold. Check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com, or better yet, give them a call at 480-360-3000. That's 480-360-3000. Midas Gold Group, your vault of confidence. Someone else who uh, is worth watching is uh, Congressman um, Jim Banks, Republican from Indiana. He had uh, Lloyd Austin, the Secretary of Defense, in his committee yesterday, and this dialogue took place. You ask me if this is the government you deserve. Listen to this.
4: But do you have regrets about the withdrawal from Afghanistan? Uh, I support the president's decision. Do you have regrets of, about the withdrawal or how the withdrawal occurred from Afghanistan that cost the lives of 13 of our service members? I, I don't have any regrets. Uh, you don't have I'll... any regrets. Secretary Austin, uh, it's very telling. Uh, Secretary Austin, um, has there ever been any accountability for anyone within the Department of Defense for the deadly, botched, and embarrassing withdrawal from Afghanistan? Any accountability? Hey, listen, our, our, our troops evacuated 124,000 people off of that airfield. Has anyone and been held accountable? If a Navy captain grounded a ship, what happens immediately? Typically, that, that captain is removed. That captain is removed. Has anyone been held accountable for what happened in Afghanistan? To my knowledge, no. You don't regret it? No one's ever been held accountable? Mr. Chairman, this is why this Republican majority must provide the accountability that this administration wants to sweep under the rug.
0: You know, yesterday um, I was reading a pretty tough column, a pretty tough column from um, Kurt Schlichter on why um, why people don't want to join the military. And um, – it was probably one of the tougher, tougher columns Kurt has written, and uh, had a veteran write me the following after I read it. He, read, he wrote, I read Kurt's article to a man. Every former military response to his article did not recommend their kids, grandkids, or their friends go into the military because of who's in charge and because those in charge can't be trusted. Leadership like journalism is dead. Subject line was You should read the comments in Schlichter's article. You can read it at town hall, and they posted the comments. And this veteran wrote To a man, every former military response, that is to say, everyone who wrote a comment to the Kurtz article, Was recommending against their kids, grandkids, and their friends going into the military because of the leadership. What a sad thing. What a thing we have to be honest about, though, and tell the truth about, and how we have a leadership that is, you know, when you think about what was written by the founders, you think about what was written in the Federalist Papers. It was this notion that we would have a leadership as good as—at least as good as the American people they were supposed to be serving on behalf of. That's what a Republican form of government, a representative form of government, is supposed to be. Representatives from the constituency they come from, meaning the average or mean, at least as good as the people they represent— It might be romantic to think that we could have leadership in a representative democracy of people who might even be a little better than the average mean. You know, people, leaders you want to look up to. Leaders that you want your children to say, I want to be like that, or there's a hero, or point to and say, be like him or be like her. One of the things that you will not find in the Federalist Papers, and one of the things that is so sad to have to talk about, is having a leadership that is far worse than the people they represent, that is far worse than the average mean of the American people. U.S. Marine Sergeant Tyler Vargas Andrews testified three weeks ago. He spotted the suicide bomber in Afghanistan in Kabul prior to the attack at Abbey Gate and asked for permission to kill him. He was denied. And when he asked who had the authority to authorize the attack, he received no response. His team then obviously lost the bomber in the crowd, and a few hours later, Vargas Andrews was severely wounded in a blast that killed 13 U.S. service members and scores of Afghanistan or Afghan civilians. So it's a greater loss of American life than the evacuation of Saigon in 1975. Not only is no one held accountable, but the Secretary of Defense has the audacity to say there are no regrets. No regrets. And we wonder why with such a casual, it's not even the right word. Caustic might be a better word. Cavalier might be a better word, caustic and cavalier attitude about our all-volunteer military and having no regrets over the loss of 13 lives in a single blast in a single day in an evacuation that the President of the United States, Secretary of Defense Austin's boss, says was an extraordinary success. When you live in that kind of a world, when you live in that kind of a country with that kind of a military leadership, We're in some kind of not just preemptive military surrender. We're in a preemptive cultural surrender to our own citizens, to our own military. Secretary Austin said that in the interrogatory with Jim Banks, with Mark Milley sitting right next to him. Neither one of them are worth their weight with all the decorations pinned to their chests—they're just not—they're just not as good as the people who serve under them, or the American people they're supposed to serve and defend. I'll take your calls when we come back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. My. Um, <laughs> During the commercial break, my general manager who was listening to the show just said, so that's twice now. Uh, David's corrected you, Seth. You better pull those socks up a little farther. You don't know what you got on the other side of that producer's microphone. He's quite right. Again, well done, David. (laughs) Noticed by all the right or wrong people, depending on how you see it. (laughs) Okay. For today, I still think I have a show. Alan is in Scottsdale. Thank you for your patience, Alan. Hey, how you doing, Sam? I'm uh, doing just fine. How are to you? Good to you. Okay. I'm a first time caller. You know, I've been
5: listening to you guys for years already, and you know what? You do a lot of good. And the reason my call was made was, you know, there was somebody held accountable, uh, for the 13 uh, deaths. And unfortunately, he was the Marine who
0: spoke
5: up about it. Oh, that's right.
0: Out. That's right. The uh, Marine Lieutenant Colonel uh Stewart right. something. Lieutenant yes. Colonel, yes. See. Yes. And
5: I, th- I think he had like 18 years and they they kicked him
0: that's out they right. took his pension and everything. That's right. Alan, uh you're calling from Scottsdale. That I grew up in the Scottsdale area. That's not a Scottsdale accent you're giving us here.
5: No, I'm, I'm from Brooklyn. All right. York, oh,
0: yeah, right? You yeah. could have fooled me. All right, I, all right. Well, I'm here. I'm here thirty
5: years
0: already. I, I thirty years already. I love it. I love that you're a first-time caller. I would love it more if you won't be a first-time caller though. If you'd call back, I'd love that yeah. accent. Listen, I love it.
5: I, I'm, I'm I'm usually in a lot of traffic like I am now. I'm, I'm traveling on the 101.
0: Well, take advantage uh, of it I, and give us a call more often. I have a question well, for you. I, like
5: I, I said, I, I, I work in Phoenix. Right. I work for the Arizona Department of Transportation. Oh, good, good. And uh, believe me, I could talk to you for hours. Believe me, there's so much crap going on. And, uh, you know, I mean, if, if, if you believe the elections, I, I definitely don't believe uh, what happened, you know. Uh, this is ridiculous. Anybody thinks that uh, Joe Biden even knows eighty-one people that would vote for him this is
0: ridiculous.
5: <laughs> and, this, and Katie Hobbs—I mean, she, she's the biggest moron out there. It,
0: it really is. You it's a, it's 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 part and parcel of the leadership that's not as good as the people they represent. My my point earlier, exactly right. Well, we would love to hear. But, you, can but, I ask you a question? I've never I've never gotten a good answer yeah. to this. Um What's that? And boy, I'm trying to think, who's that great guy I keep running into who's worked for the Department of Transportation here for years? He shows up at all these great political events. He's such a good man. I'll I'll think of his name in a minute. You probably know him. Anyway, Alan, my question for you. Okay, so clearly, obviously, I can hear your accent. If I go to Brooklyn and order a pastrami sandwich or whatever I do in Brooklyn, do they think I have an accent or does it mix right in?
5: No, they'll, they'll think you have an accent. They think
0: I have an accent. Okay. All right. Sure. All right. All right. I didn't know if it went both ways. I didn't
5: know. <laughs> only, people, only people from, uh, you know, not even the five boroughs, the people in Manhattan, they sound different than the people uh, who were born in Brooklyn. Yeah. Okay. You know? All right. I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely a, a difference where you brought up, you know, the people in Boston. Definitely. The people in Boston got a heavier accent than me.
0: I lived in Boston for a while, and I couldn't. Yeah, I don't know if. uh, Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know if they knew if I had an accent. But in Brooklyn, I have an accent. That's good to know. That's good to know. Brooklyn's its own special place. (laughs) But we're glad to have. Yes, you do It,
5: it, it. It definitely is a special. Uh, g- I, g- I yes, love it
0: from. is. Yeah, that's America, isn't it? Uh, Alan, really, truly, thank you for the reminder. Important point. I'll no. say, yeah. Let me say something, and please do call back. It's it's a delight having you with us, sir. Um, yeah. Okay, I was able to pull up a story here. Um, you can now call him Mister Scheller. This is uh, from December of 2021. In a Thursday Facebook post, the now former Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller, Jr., who publicly called for accountability from the military and political leaders who led America's longest war, announced he had been discharged from the Marine Corps effective Thursday. Again, this would have been December 2021, just in time for Christmas, no doubt. An infantry officer with deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan Scheller crashed into the national dialogue following an August social media video post of him speaking about speaking out in uniform his demands for accountability from military and political leadership for the conduct of the war eventually saw him jailed and court-martialed. Okay. So accountability was had. I hope the left is happy and I hope the hollowing out not only of our military not only but the core of our military but the core mission and the core value of our military i hope they're proud of it hope they're proud of it anyway alan thank you and everyone who serves in uniform and has served in uniform thank you i'm seth we'll be right back welcome back to the seth Liebson show i remember during the break the guy the guy i was trying to think of alan i wonder if you know him i think he was with the governor's office of highway safety for many years such a great guy Immigrant from Cuba, if I'm not mistaken, Alberto Gutierrez. Uh, if he's, uh, if I, I don't think he's in the governor's office anymore because of the change of the administrations, but just such a great guy, always, always cheerful, always showing up, always smart, always saying smart things at these meetings you go to for the party. Anyway, when you mentioned you worked for uh, Department of Transportation, I wondered if you knew him, Alberto Gutierrez. Just a great, great man. All right, ro- <clears throat> excuse me. Roger is in Peoria. Hello, Roger. How are you doing? I'm doing just fine. How are you?
6: Fair to Midland.
0: <laughs> There's Texas. another accent. That ain't a Peoria accent, is it?
6: Well, I grew up in Phoenix. So oh, okay,
0: whatever. yeah. I was gonna say that sounded more like a Phoenix <laughs> No, but Fair to Midland. That's, you that's more of a Texas I, thing, isn't it?
6: I was I was I'll use the Captain Kirk line. I was born in Iowa. I only work in Phoenix. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, you cracked me up with that accent deal because that actually happened to me when I was at the station in Brooklyn. Yeah, I by myself just went out to eat one night and I walked into this little diner restaurant place and the girl comes up. She goes, "Just one tonight?" And I said, "Yep." And she goes, "Are you from Arizona?" <laughs> I mean, that
1: it's that obvious?
6: It's what? <laughs> she goes, Are you from Arizona? I said, "Yeah." How did you know? I could tell by your accent.
0: Oh my goodness!
6: I started laughing. Yeah. I said I always thought you people had the yeah. accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She goes out there and
0: yeah. here uh. you got the So it's true. We do. We now have uh, verification from two: one from a Brooklyner and one who visited Brooklyn and and got his accent handed to him. Okay. All right. With it. <laughs> I always wondered. Uh, no, I don't know why it's taken me taken me fifty took me. I don't know why it's taken me fifty years to ask the smartest audience in the world the question. To this, that the question, yeah. I I just didn't have the answer. Now Did I know. You?
6: Well, and it. I'm like I said. It. I mean, I dropped my jaw.
0: Yeah, I bet. I, and I don't know what we I do with this either. Stuff. I don't think there's anything we can do about <laughs> it except just smile and recognize it and move on. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Thank you, Roger. All right, all right, um, brother. Keep on trucking. Thank you very much. Rob is in surprise. Hello, Rob.
7: Oh, hi, Seth. Um, do I sound like I'm from Wisconsin?
0: No, I can't do. It. There was a radio host in Phoenix for many years. I believe he was originally. Someone will remember his name in the audience. Growing up in the '80s, Mark. he was a. Um, he was originally, I think, from Schenectady, New York. And he challenged people, uh, I mean, among other things, he would challenge people to stump him with with uh, where he thought they were from based on their first sentences to him. He And he nailed, I think like 95% of the time, he would nail where these people were from. He knew every accent. Uh,
5: That's kind of cool.
0: It is kind of. Yeah, yeah. it is. And I can't well, remember what this I, guy's name was. Art well, something, I maybe? Into, I don't I, Art, was there an art? Well, anyway. I, anyway.
7: There was a, there's a Mark Belling who no
0: was, uh, uh, I'd know it if I heard it. He I want to say his name was Art, but I could be wrong.
7: Be... No, that's fine. We were at, we were at a restaurant a few weeks ago, and uh, the the lady hostess uh, had a definite Wisconsin accent. So I said, "You're from Wisconsin, aren't you?" She goes, "Well, yeah." Uh, <laughs> uh, and I said, "What what city?" And she said, "Waukesha." And I said, "I know where that is. That's near Milwaukee. I was from Kenosha." And then this last week, I was walking boss man down the street three houses away there's a lady with a wisconsin license plate and she was out uh, you know killing some weeds and i said well where are you from in wisconsin because her truck had a wisconsin license plate and she said kenosha and i said holy smokes i'm from kenosha so it's a small world. Anyway. It
0: is. Um, um, and, and you did us a great service back when Waukesha was in the news for the, all the wrong reasons. You you taught us how to yeah, pronounce exactly. it. No, no, you did. Too yeah. many people were saying wa- wa- ke- Waukesha or something like that, Waukesha, whatever. Yeah. You, you corrected well, us, so yeah. good for you. Thank it's, you.
7: It's, yeah, it's all Indian names anyway, pretty yeah. much. Even Kenosha is. But, yeah, um, sure. I was... Yeah, I read, I read Schlichter's article, I read the responses, and that veteran that... Uh, yeah, that, that,
0: you recognize the uh, accent read. of that veteran's email, probably.
7: I, I recognize the accent, yeah. but, but what I, I wanted to sort of counter that, because um, in the last couple of weeks, an old pal of mine from Miramar, uh, his name is Mike Manazer, uh, he's a retired rear admiral, and now works for a portion 100 company, uh, aviation defense company. He wrote a book called Learning How to Win learning how to lead to win. And I've heard him on the uh, Hugh Hewitt show. Uh, Hugh's interviewed him uh, on several occasions. I uh, he, he kind of talked through his uh, life and career before the – he graduated from the Naval Academy about four years after I did. So I didn't know him until I was in Miramar. But um, he, was, he was driven, and he was a great guy. And he actually wrote a book that I think is worth reading um, – I think for young people to sort of learn how to set goals early and to have meaningful goals instead of, you know, nihilistic goals, and also to have concrete goals and positive goals. I also think it's a book that the current senior military ought to, but probably hasn't read, um, I also want to offer, if you're ever interested in having him on the show, yeah. I can contact him. I'm sure he'd be more than Yeah, happy. well, at least
0: send me his name well, by uh, email if you wouldn't mind. I, I can probably sure. get to him, um, or unless you yeah. want to make the introduction, that's fine as well. Either way.
5: Yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll do both.
0: Yeah, whatever but, you his, would his like.
7: Sign, yeah, his call sign's Nasty. So um, Nasty's a great guy. Okay. And, uh, we were we were Tomcat instructors at Miramar together, and we had uh, glorious times together, and uh, he he had quite a career. He, uh, After commanding a squadron, he ended up uh, getting into the nuclear power program, commanded the USS Nimitz, and made rear admiral and was a, a strike group commander and retired with two stars. And so, you know, I'd say he was fairly successful. Yeah, I would, made. too. I'd love to hear his <laughs> thoughts on
0: today's uh, military leadership and officer class. I'd love to hear it. Oh.
7: Well, yeah, because I think what he writes about is, is very pertinent and can help change things Good. for the better if Good. all the people would listen. Good, But I just want to throw that out. Yeah, you know? I'm glad and, you uh,
0: did. Yeah. yeah, feel free to make that intro. You have my email. Um, that would be great, yeah, Rob. Thank sure you. Do. You bet. Okay. Well, all right, thank brother. you, and have a wonderful day. You do the same, and thank you for your service as always. There's our old buddy, Smitty. Hi, Smitty.
2: Hey there. How are you? I'm listening to you. I just don't call in as often as I used it's to. It's
0: nice to hear your voice always, sir.
2: Thank you. Same. Um, I wonder when uh, Secretary Austin said he had no regret, how many Republicans stood up and said, you stupid SOB, at the very least, you're accountable for failure to establish a chain of command and an engagement protocol that would have saved those lives. You're the reason we can't recruit.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's the sentence that needed to be uttered. You're the reason we can't recruit. Yeah, Yeah. Seth,
2: we talk about this on your show all the time yeah. after these things. Yeah. yeah, that's the sentence that should have been asked. Yeah, we do said. say
0: that too often, sadly. Yeah, too, you're right. Too,
2: much too often. Much, much too, too often. often. So the, this accountability stuff is a great concept, but I fear that nobody's got enough backbone to really do anything. It's
0: hard with this—yeah, it's it's hard when you—yeah, when yeah. what did Winston Churchill say— it's hard to look up to someone when they have their ear to the ground. Right, Smitty, right. Well, you're a great word smith yourself. I don't know if that's part of parcel of your namesake, but you are. And I appreciate you calling in. Okay, I got to run to a break. I'll be right back. How you think administration is handling the economy? Possible recession, stock market volatility, banks failing. What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the Fed or stock market? A portfolio where you know what each monthly statement will look like—no surprises. You can turn your monthly income on or off, on or off. Compound it, whatever you like, and no loss of principal. If you need your money back at any time. No fees. This is a secure collateralized portfolio. Delivers a high fixed interest rate up to 10.25%. Check out my friends at Y-Refi. They're local. You can visit with them. I know them well. Great guys. Great gals. Y-Refi is a due diligence approved firm and you can earn, as I say, up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right. A Ten and a quarter percent fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then R-E-F-Y.com. Or call them at 888 yrefi 34 888 34. y You've heard from a lot of you, and they always give great feedback. Um, an article I wanted to flag for you. I have uh, John Shattuck coming in. I'm not sure we'll get to it, but uh, maybe we'll pick it up tomorrow. Maybe I can get the author on tomorrow. He's a good friend of the show, David Harsanyi, over at The Federalist. Uh, books are banned in Tennessee. This is, you know, Tennessee's going to be in the sights of the left for a while now. Books are banned in Tennessee in much the same way a person can't say the word gay in Florida. It's all a big myth. He starts the column, While checking out the banned and challenged display at my local Barnes & Noble recently, I was reminded that the entire kerfuffle is a giant racket for publishers and booksellers. Banned books are likely a money-making racket. Virtually every alleged banned book on the display table is already a massive and sometimes generational bestseller. Not that this reality stops authors like Jodi Picol, whose books stop virtually every bookstore in the country, from running around pretending their novels are banned because a sliver of taxpayers are no longer on the hook to buy them. For the left, the banned book claim is a political racket, allowing them to feign indignation over the alleged authoritarianism of Republicans who don't want kids reading identitarian pseudo histories or books depicting oral sex, rape, violence, or gender dysphoria in their schools. Yeah, that's right. It's not a ban any more than it is to keep five-year-olds from reading basic pornography or child porn. It's no more a ban than it is not allowing them to go into R and X-rated movies. It's not a ban to have age-appropriate literature. That's what it's called. It's called responsibility. And the idea that these banned books are on display (laughs) at bookstores in their own special section... Kind of nullifies the idea that these booksellers even know what the English language is. I'm Seth Liebsen. We'll be right back.